0: is this that teams that have superstars win championships teams that play their best with the game on the line win championships but there's also another common denominator for those teams that win championships and that is this they often have reserves and bench players that step up at the right time It is simply dubbed the comeback. It's the last game of the season. The uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly for the Buffalo Bills is on the field against the Houston Oilers, and lo and behold, in the middle of the game, he strains the ligaments in his knee, and he has to go to the bench. And... So ultimately, the Buffalo Bills lose to the Oilers, and it's not even close. The only problem is, is the very next week, they have to square off against the Oilers again in the wild card game to try to keep their playoff hopes alive. Things didn't go as planned. Jim Kelly couldn't recover in time, and so they put in a bench warmer, a substitute, and things were not going well. In fact, the Oilers dominated the first half. By the end of the first half, the Oilers were beating the Bills 28-8 to three. They go into the locker room, and you would hope that the coach would make a speech that would turn things around. The only problem is is that the benchwarmer, on about the second play of the second half, throws an interception that causes the Oilers to go up 35 to three. His name, the benchwarmer's name, is Frank Reich. Uh, So here they go, down 35 to three. Hopes are lost. Seems like the season's over, but Frank Reich, a Bench warmer, a guy that's been on the pine, suddenly takes over the offense and he begins to lead them. And lo and behold, by the end of the fourth quarter, when the clock ticks to zero, they were tied, tied. Then in overtime the Bills intercepted a pass, they kick a field goal and they win the game 41 to 38 and this benchwarmer finished the game 21 of 34 in his pass completions with 289 yards and four touchdowns and that one interception and to this present day it remains the largest comeback in NFL history and it was led by a man that some call the greatest backup quarterback in NFL history, all because of a bench warmer. We've been looking at guys, uh, we've been talking about people that uh, it seems like their entire life is spent on the bench. They're not in the game. They're not starters. They, 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 They just substitute that everybody ignores. And we've been talking about perhaps one of the greatest bench warmers in scripture. We've been talking about Jonah. We've talked about the fact that Jonah was reluctant to get into the game. He did not want to get in the game. God calls him. He runs the other direction because he's so reluctant. So last week we started talking about why is he reluctant? And we talked about this fact. Jonah was reluctant because he was angry. He was ticked off at God, and he was angry with people. Remember, we talked about that. That's why some of us never get in the game as well. And so today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at the second reason that he decides to sit the game out, to ride the bench, because again, I think maybe some of us are suffering from this same reason, and it causes us to refuse to step up and get in this game that God's called us to. Jonah chapter 4, we read this passage last week. We're going to read it again. I want you, I'm going to do my best to read it like I think Jonah said it, maybe just without the volume, because he's screaming right now, all right? I'm not going to scream at you, maybe. Jonah chapter 4, beginning of verse 1. Jonah was furious, He lost his temper. He yelled at God. Here it is. Listen to the tone. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish in the first place. It doesn't say in the first place, but I'm going to add it. In the first place. Come on, talk to God. Let's let Jonah talk to God like we talk to God, all right? I knew it. That's why I ran off to Tarshish in the first place. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy not easily angered, you're rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So, God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. I don't even know if I can do it justice. I hope you hear in there the tone that I think Jonah was taking with God because this is what I'm convinced of. Benchwarmers stay on the bench because they become cynical. Cynical. Jonah was not only willing to sit out of the game due to, his ang- due to his anger, but he also checked out because he was cynical. I knew it, God. I knew you wouldn't do what you said you would do. I have you figured out. I got, I've, got, I've got you boxed up. I recognize that I couldn't trust you. I couldn't depend on you to do what you said you would do. I knew it. Can you hear it? Can you hear it in his tone? I knew you would. So, so I, I knew you wouldn't do what you, that's, isn't that the bottom line of cynicism? When you start thinking about cynicism, isn't it the bottom line that, that, that we come to this place where in the back of our mind and deep in our hearts, we begin to say this, we just don't believe. We, we don't believe anymore that, that, that you'll do what you said you would do. So John was there. God, you said you would destroy them, but I didn't really think you would because I know you, and I've got you figured out, so I didn't really believe you in the first place. See, cynicism benches us because cynicism impacts belief. Are you here this morning? I'm trying to help you because, see, I think a lot of us are here. I, I, I think we need to understand that cynicism impacts our belief. We I, I didn't really believe that you would do what you said you were going to do, but le, let me just help you this morning and, and take you through some other passages of the Scripture just briefly, just mention them to you, because Jonah's only one example. The truth is, is that Scripture is filled with accounts of people who are trapped by cynicism. Maybe you don't know your Bible very well, but let me help you out, that, just remind you that, that there's an account in the Old Testament of a guy by the name of Abraham and Sarah, and Abraham. Was old as dirt, and so was Sarah. And they get word that God is going to give them a son in their old age. And the Bible says that Sarah literally laughed in God's face. Right? Why? They were cynical, they didn't think God could do what he said he could do. What about Gideon? Do you remember the story of Gideon? Gideon's minding his own business, trying to get some wheat so that they can survive because they're, they're, being, uh, they're, they're being surrounded by their enemies. And the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, I'm going to use you to lead Israel to victory. Do you remember what he says? You can't use me. I, I, I know you're from God, but you can't use me. I'm the least in my father's house is exactly what he says. I'm a nobody. I'm a bench warmer. I'm a nothing. I'm no more than somebody riding the pine. I think you got the wrong guy, God. I know you can. You, you say what you're going to do, but I just don't believe that you can do what you say you can do. Then we go into the New Testament, and one of my favorite accounts of cynicism is found in the New Testament where... um. Uh, Zacharias, who is uh, Elizabeth's husband. Uh, You you say, well, who's that? That's John the Baptist's parents. They just weren't his parents yet. The angel of the Lord comes to Zacharias and says to him, you guys are gonna have a baby. Kind of like Abraham and Sarah. They haven't been able to have children, and so they don't really think they can. And so now the angel of the Lord shows up to Zacharias and says, "Hey, hey buddy, you're gonna have a baby, and you're gonna name him John. And not only that, he's gonna be the forerunner of Christ. He's gonna go everywhere And tell people about Jesus. He's going to point him out. He's a prophet. He's going to wear camel hair. He's going to eat locusts and honey in the wilderness. And he's going to be the one that points people to Jesus. I want you to listen to what he says. Listen to Zacharias' response. He says, God is sovereign. He is free to bestow his blessings on whom he wishes. Sounds real good, doesn't it? Till you get to this part. But for some inscrutable reason, he has withheld that blessing from us. Do you hear the cynicism? He's literally saying, you're God, and you can do anything you want to do, but you don't care enough about us to do for us what you're doing for everybody else. I believe that you're God and that you're sovereign, and you have all authority and all power and all ability, but I just don't really believe that you can do what you said you could do for me. That is the definition of cynicism. I want to submit to you this morning that I think one of the, one of the greatest cancers in the body of Christ, and more importantly, in most individuals, is cynicism. It's subtle. We hide it. We ignore it. We excuse it, and then we're destroyed by it. Are y'all here this morning? Okay, I, I, I hope you're leaning in because, see, this is what we do. We sing lyrics like this. You're, you're too good not to believe. Y'all been singing that one? I've been singing that one in my car. You're too good. I've seen you do stuff. I've seen you heal cancer. I've seen you set addicts free. I've seen you, I've seen you restore relationships. I've seen you restore mental health. The song is great, and we sing it. The only problem is, is deep down inside of us, if we're not careful, we don't actually believe it. We, we, we sing stuff like this, since when has impossible ever stopped you? Well, only when it gets to my impossible. I, I think he can handle your impossible, but I'm not sure he can handle my impossible. And cynicism takes hold. We really don't. We become like Jonah, and we become sidelines because we really don't believe that God will do what he said he will do for us, and we don't believe that he can do what he said he can do through us. So, so one man see, see this, this happens. Cynicism makes us numb, and cynicism kills all of our hope. So, one man said this. I want you to listen to what he says because I think he's spot on. He's talking about our society. He's talking about right now. He's talking about the environment we find ourselves in right now in this culture, in this day, in this nation, in this environment. This is what he said. He said cynicism is so pervasive that at times it feels like a presence. Cynicism is the air we breathe, and it's suffocating our hearts. And weariness and fear leave us feeling overwhelmed, unable to move. Cynicism leaves us doubting, unable to dream. And the combination shuts down our hearts, and we just show up for life going through the motions. Mm. That is where we're living right now. We are consumed by cynicism. So so my question to you this morning is, how can you believe for more, and how can you believe for better if you don't really believe in your heart? I just want to challenge you this morning. We must fight off the spirit. It is a spirit. We must fight off the spirit of cynicism. We've got to go to war and recognize that, that cynicism will impact our ability to believe. And, and so I need you to hear this statement right here. Please don't, please don't miss this. When there is a gap between what God is doing and what you understand, then you have a choice about what you're going to fill that gap with. I'll say that one more time. You got to get this because I, 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 anybody else in the room, some maybe one of y'all just better than I am. Maybe you got got all figured out. Maybe you understand everything God's trying to do. Maybe you understand. May, may, maybe you're so prophetic. Maybe you glow in the dark. I don't know. All I know is some of y'all think you got him figured out. But just let me tell you my testimony. My testimony is there are days I get up and I'm like, God, what in the world are you doing? God, I can't figure this out. Why are you allowing this? Why is this being permitted? Why am I going? one through this? Why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to witness this? And so there's a gap. There's a huge gap between my understanding and what God is doing. And so I have a choice now. I must fill that gap with something. And most of us fill that gap with cynicism. So what I am imploring you this morning is this. When when God is doing stuff that you don't understand, and now over here you're watching him, and you're going, God, you said you'd do this, but I don't see it happening, and it's not happening fast enough, and it's not happening the way I want it to happen, and there's this huge gap in my understanding, I am imploring you now to fill that gap with trust. Not cynicism, trust. Why? Because because Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and 6 says this, Trust God with all of your hearts. Trust is needed when understanding is absent. See, I I don't know about you, but but I've been around God long enough now to recognize that when I don't understand him and when I can't trace him, I can still trust him. I don't have to fill my heart with cynicism and say he'll do it for everybody else, just not for me. I don't have to sit back and worry and be filled with disbelief because I've recognized now that I've been around him so long and I've seen his track record play out so long that I can trust him even when I can't understand him. We must believe again. We must believe again. I'm, I'm trying to get down into your spirit this morning. We must believe again. Even when we don't understand what he's up to. Even when the cards we've been dealt don't, don't really play out like we want them to. Even when our life seems to be off the rails and we're on a detour and we're on a different path than what we would have chosen. We must trust him again. That's why that's why it's so important Together, like we do on Sunday mornings. We, we gather like this so that we can remind each other that it can change. We gather together like this on Sunday so that we remind each other that God can intervene. We gather together like this so that we remind each other that our gift matters. Our life matters. Our call matters. Our path matters. That there is hope. We stir each other up to believe again. You're testimony of God's faithfulness cancels the criticism that's trying to creep into my heart and to their hearts and to steal our hope. When we begin to testify to one another, when you show up when you probably shouldn't, when you show up when you've been beaten up, when you show up when you've been disappointed, when you show up when you've been disillusioned, when you keep showing up when everybody else says, I can't believe they're able to even get out of bed, then when you do that, it testifies of God's faithfulness and it destroys the cynicism in each of our hearts. That's why we gather together like this. We gain strength from one another. We we gain strength. So, so I need you to do this. I need you to touch your neighbor. I know we're not supposed to touch each other, right, each other right now, but but I ain't scared. Why don't you touch somebody around you and say, you can trust him. Come on. Tell him you can trust him. Come on. Tell him you can trust him. You can trust him. You, come on. Come on. Don't say it on surface level. Some of y'all, man. I'm going to have to go back last week and talk about anger. Some of y'all did it surface level. Oh, you can trust him. Really? You really think that's going to get them through? I need you to testify to somebody. You... I have tried him. I know you don't understand what you're going through right now, but you can trust him. You can trust him. I testify the fact that you can trust him. See, so you, you have a lot of roles here to play on Sunday, but, but can, I, can, I, can I let you in on a secret? You're not just here to ush, and you're not just here to greet and you're not here to just to, to, to take care of kids. and You're not just here to, to run sound. And you're not here to just sing songs. You are here to sit next to somebody, stand next to somebody on an assignment to challenge the cynicism that is set up in their heart. That, that, that's why we're here. Someone you're sitting to right next to right now doesn't really believe that their situation can change. Oh, I know they sang good during worship. I know the amen and the preacher now, but the truth is is if you could get down deep inside of them, you would recognize and understand and discover that they really don't think that God will set them free. They don't really think that God will come through for them. They don't really believe that God will do for them what he's done for you. And so we are on an assignment every Sunday morning, not just to get in here and get our praise on and get our feel goods on and get our goosebumps. We are literally here on an assignment. To challenge the cynicism sitting next to you so that they would recognize that if God can do it for me, then surely he can do it for you. We must challenge the lack of belief that sets up inside of us because if we don't, it will send us to the bench. There's a second thing I need you to understand. I need you to understand that cynicism not only impacts our beliefs, it also impacts our behavior. Jonah not only had issues believing God, his behavior was impacted by the fact that he didn't believe God. So, so, so I read to you what happens because he doesn't believe, because of cynicism, it causes him to run the opposite direction from serving. In the passage I read to you, you can keep reading chapter 4, it causes him to sulk. He gets a pout on because he doesn't believe. It it impacts his behavior. His behavior is a direct result of the cynicism that is set up in his heart. So now let me see, let me see, 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 I I just got to ask you, how is cynicism impacting your behavior? What you believe or what you don't believe dictates how you behave. I'm preaching right now, and y'all looking at me like I've lost my mind. I'm just telling you what you really believe impacts how you behave. So so let me see if I can pinpoint some ways that cynicism impacts our behavior towards God. Because we behave towards God. So, 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 So if I don't really believe that God will honor his word, that he will heal me, then this is how I will behave. I will self-medicate trying to find some comfort and relief all by myself. Come on now. Uh, If I don't really believe that he is the one he says he is, the one that has the ability to send his word and heal my disease, if I don't really believe that, then I will behave in such a manner that I will take my own health on my own shoulders, and I will take matters into my own hands, and I will self-medicate, hoping to find deliverance and fruit. So, so if I don't believe that you will deliver me, then what I will do is, God, if I don't believe that you will deliver me, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I'm going to make decisions and choices thinking that they bring me freedom, only to discover that instead what they actually do is put me in more bondage. Anybody want to testify this morning? Uh, come on now. I, 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 I've lived this before. I, I, I said You said you would free me. You said you would deliver me. But you didn't come through the way I thought you should come through, when I thought you should come through, how I thought you should come through. So I'll take matters into my own hands and try to find freedom all by myself. Anybody ever figured out that don't work? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I don't believe that you'll provide for me then I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'll take jobs and I'll take loans that you never wanted me to take uh, just simply because I don't really believe that you really are who you said you are. I know we sing Jehovah Jireh because it's an earworm. Anybody else singing Jireh right now? We sing it because it's an earworm and it gets in our head. It just doesn't get in our spirit. And we call him Jireh, the one that provides, but we don't actually believe he provides, so we behave differently and we go visit People to get stuff that we don't think God will give. Ooh. So, 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 if I don't think that, if I don't think You'll comfort me, then I'll try to find substitutes. <laughs> it, it can come in the form of other people. For guys, it can come in the form of girls. For girls, it can come in the form of guys. And for girls, it can come in the form of shopping. And, and, and for guys, it can come in the form of a sports car. <laughs> come on now. It can come in the form of a hobby. It can, we, we substitute all this stuff trying to get comfort from, for ourselves because we don't really believe that God is who he said he is. Uh, come on now. If I don't believe that you're going to order my steps and that your plans are to prosper me, then when times get tough, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to choose my own path. Okay, y'all acting all holy on me. I know some of y'all ain't never chosen your own path, right? You, you, You didn't think you had it figured out better than God did. But if we would just trust him he would lead us and guide us. If, if I don't really believe that he can use me then, and that my gift really does matter, then I will sit on the sidelines and I'll do nothing because I don't really believe. Cynicism will cause me not only to to behave differently towards God. It, it will also determine how I but be, behave towards people. Am I helping y'all any? Because I I need I need this cynicism to get out of you. I, yeah, we we we're too cynical. I I, I, I listen. We well, we ought to believe everything that's in the book. We ought to believe everything that God can do. He's the God of all power, all all provision, all healing, all breakthrough. We ought to believe that God can do what He says He can do. But but. But if we don't, we act differently and we behave differently towards God, but we also behave differently towards people. So, so, so if it, 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 I will get ahead of God and deter my own life if I don't believe, but I also will behave differently towards you if I'm filled with cynicism. If you don't think that, then if I don't think that you can really change, then I then I won't rely on you. Come on now, I'm preaching right now. I'm trying to help you right now. I'm telling you, if I don't really think that you can change, then I will never really rely on you. If I don't think that you can be set free, can I tell you what'll happen? I will be suspicious. Anybody living under a cloud of suspicion right now? You're telling everybody you've been set free, but nobody really believes you because they're cynical. They've seen you say you're free before, and so now they don't really think you can be free. If I don't think think that, that you can be different after Jesus than you were before Jesus, then I will hold you at arm's length, and I will miss the gift that God has placed in you that was supposed to be for my life because I don't think you can really change. If I don't think that Jesus has entered your life, then I will hold you hostage to what you were and who you were before Jesus. Come on, I'm, I'm telling you right now that we've got to come back to this place where we not only believe God again, but we l- believe in God's people again. See, I'm not telling you to trust everybody. Oh, hey, let's not get this twisted now. I'm not telling you all to just go out of here trusting everybody. I, I, I'm telling you to trust the right people. I, I've tried to help you over the last few years. Uh, those of you that have been with us a while, you, you recognize, you should know. I hope you can remember. We've talked about how to figure out who to trust. We did a series called Friends where we talked about how to, 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 to try and test people so that you know who you should trust. We, we just finished a series called Circles where we talked about how to vet people so you know who you should trust and who you shouldn't trust and so I'm not telling you to trust everybody but once we've tested them once we've tested them and they've proven that they are who they say they are then we need to believe in the right people again you say well what are you saying Steve I'm saying drop the cynicism drop the suspicion if you don't catch anything else I say about how we behave towards people, please catch this one right here. I need you to quit acting like the grace of God that he's given you is sufficient for your issues, but deficient for theirs. You know why we do that? Cynicism. I think God's got enough grace to, 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 to deal with my jacked up life, because he did. I think God's got enough grace to set me free because he has. I think God's got enough ability in my life to provide, to come through, to make me different, make me a better man, make me a better husband, make me a better father, make me a better friend. The only issue is, is that if I allow cynicism to seep into my heart, I don't really think he can do the same for you. His grace is sufficient. Yeah, for me, I'm asking you to believe in the right people again. I'm asking you to drop the suspicion. I'm asking you to come to this place where you in your own heart go, Jesus, if you've really come into their heart and I'm going to test to find out, but if you have, then I'm going to believe in them again. Uh, Listen, I, I know some of you have been burned. I know you've been betrayed. I know you've been disappointed in people. But I'm challenging you to fight the cynicism that will cause you, that will try to cause you to behave towards the right people as if they're the wrong people. I'm not asking you to let somebody burn you over and over and over again. I'm asking you that when somebody experiences the life-altering, destiny-changing power of Jesus in their life, to believe again. So you'll remember last week I said that you could choose, you had to make a choice. You could either be angry or you could be available, that you can't be both. Y'all remember that? I challenge you. You can be angry or you can be available, but you can't be both. So this week what I want to do is I want to challenge you that you have a choice to make. You can either be cynical or you can be sent. But if you're cynical, it will keep you from being sent. And so my prayer is this: is that you'll come back to this place where you crucified, killed, destroy, challenge, uproot, displace, drive out, extinguish cynicism. Why? So that you'll believe again. I know you've been watching as God's been doing stuff for everybody else around you and you're like Zacharias, you've come to this place where you go, you know what? He's doing it for everybody else. There's no thing He can do it for me. No, 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 no. Fight it. Fight it. He can do it for you. here, a short, bald-headed, on the JV, bench warmer, tell you that He can do it for you if it's in the book he can do it for you but I also want you to fight out of this thing so that you will begin to believe the right people again there are right people all around you some of them really early in their journey some of them have been in the journey a long time and maybe they've messed up maybe they've hurt you maybe they've betrayed you maybe they've disappointed you in the past but if Jesus is in their heart isn't his grace sufficient for them so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, in this pastor's life, and in the life of the people listening to him in this room or online right now, we ask you to tear down cynicism. God, help us. It's a cancer. It's a, it's a disease. It's all around us. It's like it's, like it's the wind we breathe. It's, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's consuming us. We become cynical about everything and everyone. The political climate, the cultural climate, our environment that we're in. God, it seems like everywhere we turn, everywhere we turn, it seems like we really can't believe. We really just can't believe. And then we let that seep over on our beliefs. And God, I pray this morning that what you would do in this moment right now is you would cause us to rise up in belief again. We want to be the kind of people that will take you at your word. If your word says you can heal, then we believe you can heal. God, if your word says that you can provide, then I don't have to take matters into my own hands. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fret. Even when I don't understand what you're allowing, I can still trust your word that you're going to provide. God, if your word says that you're going to order my steps, then even if you take me places I didn't think I would go and maybe places I didn't want to go, the truth is is I'm just relying on the fact that you are who you said you are. I trust you. I trust you. Help our belief. Help us to believe again. God, I think in this room, there's probably someone in this room or online that's watching that that, that right now they're really struggling to believe. I pray that a flicker of hope, a flicker of of trust, a flicker of belief, a flicker of, uh, of being willing to rely on would rise up, would ignite in us again. Father, I pray that it, in this moment we would lay down cynicism towards the right people. There are people in this room who have experienced the grace of Jesus. And yet we continue to hold them at arm's length. We hold them hostage to who they once were. They're not that person anymore. And I pray in this moment we would lay down all suspicion. Fear would not overtake our lives. That we would trust the grace of Jesus that has been applied to our own life, that it is sufficient for their life as well ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me just briefly this morning? I don't want to prolong this, but I just sense the Holy Spirit's doing something this morning in us. Would you just throw up a hand, maybe both hands, and just in this moment say, Jesus, I believe again. I repent of not believing. I I, I, I come to you and I confess there are moments that I haven't been able to understand And because of that, doubt has crept in. Questions have crept in. But I choose to trust you again. I choose to trust you again. As I raise my hands this morning, I declare with everything inside of me that I trust you. Come on, would you just would you just say that out loud? I trust you, Jesus. I I trust you, God. I I trust you. I I trust you. I trust you. I believe again. I believe again. I trust your path. I trust your purpose. I trust your plan. I trust your provision. I trust your ability. I trust the fact that you know where I am. I trust the fact that you haven't forgotten about me. I trust the fact that you haven't written me off. I thank you that I can trust you, that you haven't thrown me away, that you haven't dismissed me, that you haven't done away. with. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. Because of that, I can trust you with the people around me. I trust you with my kids. I would fix them if I could. But I trust you. I trust you with my spouse. I trust you with my my job. I trust you with everything in my life. I trust you. I believe that you are who you say you are. And now, Father, I pray you'd help us with those around us because we recognize that cynicism impacts how we behave towards people. Would you lay your hand on your neighbor right now, just on their shoulder? Would you just lay your hand as a point of contact? God, I refuse to allow cynicism to creep into my heart in this moment. The person who I am touching right now, maybe in the past they betrayed me. Maybe in the past they hurt me. Maybe in the past they've said the wrong thing, done the wrong thing. But I released them from the prison of my cynicism. If they have accepted you as their Savior, then I allow the grace that has invaded my life to be applied to their life. And I pray that right now, my perspective towards them would change. And once I've tested them, I pray that I would come to this place where I can trust them. Because down inside of them, there's a gift that I need. Down inside of them, there's a gift that I need. Down inside of them, there's a deposit of the Holy Spirit that I need in my life. And I'll never be able to access that if I don't trust them. So I lay down suspicion this morning. And I lay down fear. And I thank you that you're allowing me to believe in the right people again. I thank you for what you're doing in our relationships, not only with you today, God, but with one another. I thank you that you're setting us free and that you're allowing us to get off the bench as we realize that we can believe everything you've said.